Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 3.5, the second segment of our Short Swords. So technically, this is Short Swords 3.5. I will get used to saying that eventually, and that's what you'll start to hear, I promise. Uh, today, we got a pretty good show, and as always on our Short Swords, we're going to dive right into the content uh, because it is short. So as always, we have Logan and Matt here. Gentlemen, how are we? Excellent. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Very nice. We're going to be speaking in accents, apparently, this episode. Yeah. That's uh, pretty You know what that's a? <laughs> <laughs> non-sword and sorcery show, uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. Come on. I, you know, I've seen a few, I've seen like the early seasons of Curb, and it was funny, uh, but then I stopped paying for cable, so I've become apparently yeah. not out of touch with the reality. If it's not on Netflix, like, <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know much about it. Um, so in this episode, we are going to catch up on a few things that we, uh, that we did want to touch upon. So uh, we had mentioned that we're going to talk a little bit about historical um, settings and historical uh, sword and sorcery. And while that is true, we're going to frame this in, uh, in terms of comments that we've gotten from, from listeners. So, Logan, do you want to dig into the first comment? Yeah, I'll start with the first one. Um, I just want to reiterate, love love the comments. Not only does it give us more stuff to ramble about, uh, it's just fun being able to participate with people that listen, even if it's more of like a turn-based nature as opposed to a, to a live action kind of thing. But um, this comes from Owen, who actually mentioned last episode um, about the Savage Worlds uh, Bar- Beast and Barbarians perk. Uh, but he asked a series of questions, and I thought one of them was interesting because episode two, we talked about technology, and that's what this is about. He asks, how crucial do you think the technology level is to the aesthetic of sword and sorcery? I ask because you mentioned it being medieval at its highest, but then we've got Solomon Kane, which features flintlocks. And then there were things like He-Man, as you mentioned, which very much blurs the line between sword and sorcery and science fiction. I think trying to nail down a solid definition of SNS could be its own podcast at this point, but I'm curious what you think. Well, that's a that's a it's a good observation um, because it had crossed my mind. I think uh, after I listened back to the episode, especially about Solomon Kane, for me, it's like. It's such a small detail that it may as well not be there. The flintlock and the rifle, right? It, it, it has so little bearing in the storytelling that I, I guess from my point of view, um, it's, just a, it's just a little tool, a little skin part of, of that setting. And I, and I think perhaps just a small exception to the rule um, because we were kind of scratching our heads talking about this, thinking about other other uses of guns and sword and sorcery. Now, I know someone's going to comment, and please do, to let us know uh, something we're missing. But generally speaking, you know, you're getting more of just an adventure tale, I think, when you get into sort of muskets and, and flintlock pistols. Um, but, of course, bringing up He-Man uh, makes me think, not necessarily of science fiction, but of sword and planet. Um, and even, like, the John Carter stories, which... As we said on a previous episode, I think that Sword and Planet is just so similar to Sword and Sorcery that it's it's really just like a, a different skinning of, of those concepts. I, I mean, John Carter obviously plays up more on the romance love angle, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. What do you guys think? Alex, what do you think? 
So I think you kind of you kind of said what I what I feel in some ways. I think it's the exception to the rule, and that in and of itself sort of creates it as its unique thing, uh, which I like, and I would definitely say Solomon Cain is sword and sorcery, but I'm just hard pressed to think of anything else that fits that. Um, yeah, and you know if it's there, I would I would like to check it out. And, you know, we were, we were trying to think about other historical settings, and we'll get into that in, in a second. And, again, I'm, I'm sort of strapped a little bit. I'm by no means, um, you know, encyclopedic on this. Uh, but I fall back to uh, Bernard, Bernard Cornwell, uh, who's more of a historical fiction writer, uh, not a sword and sorcery writer, but I would, I would say that maybe you could, you could kind of wedge some of those tales in there. Um, in terms of sword and planet, that's one of the big differentiations between uh, sword and sorcery and sword and planet, and and that I think becomes a, a podcast in and of itself is, is talking about where if we're going to draw a line, where is that line, and you know what will you allow in sword and planet, or and what makes the sword and planet versus staying down to um, you know our own personal views of, of sword and sorcery. But man, I just I feel like going back to what I was saying, this is just the exception. Yeah. Someone proved me wrong. I, I, so, I probably am wrong. <laughs> I've got a couple things here. Um, first off, I got to admit I've never read a John Carter story. Um, I need to. I'm aware of this. I have read uh, Tarzan, a lot of Tarzan stories. I've read Pellucidar stories. I've read I Am Barbarian, but I've never touched a John Carter story. You can watch so the movie. I hear it's great. I have not watched the movie. The movie um, The movie is not great. The movie is not great? Bummer. No. Is it, like, not great in the way that Jason Momoa's Conan is not great and that I'll still enjoy it? Or is it less than that? I think I it, would say comparable to, to, to that. Comparable? Okay. I, I usually have low standards when th- like if it's got a couple things that I like, I'll probably enjoy it. So I'll have to I check it out. Aspects of what I saw in John Carter that are stronger filmmaking than what I saw in Conan, which is uh, saying something because I'm obviously a much bigger fan of Conan. But that is a uh, future episode. We are going to talk about that. Film. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, now I do know of one other example that popped in my head of this uh, time period of Solomon Kane, and there are. So I've submitted a story to Heroic Fantasy Quarterly, which it, it wasn't published, whatever. Um, but there's a author that I've read twice, and he's got a character who's a conquistador. Um, so it's the same time period. And one of the stories, um, I can't speak for the other one because I, I read it longer ago. Um, he has basically a blunderbuss plays a pivotal role, I think, I feel, in the story. Um, so I think it works. It could work. And I'm gonna t- uh, the reason why I think it works is because that time period, the world was still a mystery. The characters can still exist and toe this line between what is myth and what is reality. And so, like we see in Solomon Cain, um, Solomon Cain very much believes in his his religion, and he sees evils, and there are things that exist from a world that people have forgotten about. And the Age of Exploration lends itself to that, because there was so much of the world that the Western world didn't know anything about. 
and I think that lends itself thematically to sword and sorcery. I'm not. I wouldn't say that every story would necessarily fit in that time period, but I see why it works. Yeah. Well, and and on the Solomon Kane note, I mean, the more I think of Kane himself, he doesn't really strike me as a sword and sorcery character as much, anyways, because he is he's on a quest in in a sense to vanquish evil which is just such a um it's almost a saturday morning cartoon trope or or what would later become that right sure so but i i guess ultimately if i'm going to determine what is a sword and sorcery tale if it's got the main ingredients and it's got swords and it's got sorcery if it happens to have a gun or an uh, an ancient uh, civilization speedboats, uh, as we would see in like uh, the Kane stories or the submarines, yeah. or whatever they were. Like those things don't stop it from being sword and sorcery, um, as long as the the main ingredients are there. It must have swords. It must have sorcery, and then you know these other tropes that we've discussed previously. So that's that's kind of where I would land on that. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think that for me. Um... I, I I struggle to say that it's the purest form of sword and sorcery in my mind, and I emphasize my mind. But you, you know, it's it's an inclusive genre. I, you know, if you're if you're just going to say it's this this and this, you're going to knock out a whole bunch of other stuff that I think is really good uh, and worth uh, keeping in, included in the discussion. But you know, for for me, and I've, I've kind of documented previously in other episodes what I what I ideally look for. Um, it's outside of my ideal. That's not to say that it's not awesome. I like plenty of other fantasy just as much. I just wouldn't say yes. It is the purest form of sword and sorcery for me. Sure, I yeah. do. I do really love the I, the Age of Exploration is one of my favorite things to teach about. We just finished up a unit on Spanish explorers, and. It's bloody, it's gritty, it's unfortunate, um, oftentimes sad, but the idea of these people picturing a world that just didn't exist but thinking that it did and then trying to go out and prove that it did really appeals to me. Nice. So shifting gears a little bit, unless you guys want to jump into any other historical settings that you wanted to mention before we shift gears. Um, I do just want to drop, I think I've said his name once before, I think his name is David Mana, or Mana. Um, he, I believe he lives in Italy, he's got a series of short stories that take place in, uh, in Rome. They are sword and sorcery uh, completely, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's a, like kind of like a buddy cop thing between a Roman uh, legionnaire and an Egyptian sorceress. Um, it's quippy, it's funny, has action, adventure, horror, magic. It's good stuff. Check it out. There's my plug. <laughs> cool. Nice. Uh, so I think the other half of what we wanted to talk about uh, was getting back to the um, the armor debate. Uh, we had mentioned in episode three that uh, we had a comment uh, that we did not read. We couldn't find it at the time, and really that is regrettable, and we were ill-prepared. Uh, we will do better next time. However, lucky you, you get your own segment on Short Swords 3.5. Matt, you want to read that comment? Uh, yeah, sure. This one comes uh, from Angeline, and uh, just to um, reiterate what this was about, yeah, 
about the sort of uh, fur diaper versus the, well, not versus, but the fur diaper and the chainmail bikini as tropes, uh, especially in art. Um, these aren't even necessarily things you're going to find much in the literature. But in the sword and sorcery art, you would see Red Sonia's uh, chainmail, uh, skimpy chainmail, and then Conan's uh, skimpy fur uh, undergarment. And um, so Angeline uh, mentioned that uh, she, she brought up a pretty good comment that we definitely wanted to bring uh, into this. So she said, I'm always picturing an axe biting into all that exposed flesh. It just seems so impractical. But Conan, at least, gets to be taken seriously. I don't have a sense that 75% of the purpose of his visual depictions is to titillate. With Sonia, well, you picked the perfect image. Uh, and I'll say the image was a Jenny Friesen uh, picture. I, I think her art is fantastic, but um, it's, uh, it's one where it's kind of a downward angle looking up and she's swinging a sword. You probably wouldn't know it if, uh, if you've seen it for sure. Uh, you picked the perfect image to illustrate the point, she says, since everything about it displays her as a sex object. Upskirt, if she had one. Angle, the bikini revealing more than I reckon she'd want it to, even for its minute size. The half-lidded eyes. And this seems typical of a lot of um, art that I've seen, which kind of puts me off. I go back to Dark Agnes stories instead, and while you can certainly find pictures of Agnes showing a lot of skin... Um, overall, the de visual depictions of her seem to cleave closer to practicality. Um, and she has cited a picture uh, from Ken Kelly, which is actually one of Ken Kelly's uh, finer works. And she goes on to say, It's easy to say, hey, we're all red-blooded men and women here, and we should get to admire who whoever we want to. I have sympathy for that point of view, but it's not like men and women exist on a level playing field in real life. So, of course, there's a relationship between how we're depicted in fantasy and how we navigate reality. I feel like this is very well expressed in a fan art project called the Hawkeye Initiative, which gender flips stereotypical poses for women uh, superheroes, which I have looked at, uh, which is it's fairly funny. You should take a look. It if, is, if it is quite funny. So there's a reply to her comment as well, which we'll look at, but anything that jumps out at you uh, about Angeline's comment? She said everything that I guess I thought um, more eloquently than I said it. I think Angeline's and Johan's comments were the ones that stood out to me the most resonating um, with what I thought. Um, I do think that it's kind of telling um, as far as uh, our, the genre that we love and who it attracts that we had one woman reply out of um, two different groups we posted this in. So, again, Alex said it was regrettable that we didn't get it in the first uh, first run at it, which it is, um, but like we were just unprepared. And, uh, yeah, uh, from the fans that are women that I have met and talked to, um, even I guess I'm going to extrapolate that into the fantasy genre as a whole. Uh, everyone that I have met has also had very similar thoughts. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have to agree too, that there's definitely, even though they're probably showing equal amounts of flesh, there's something probably more uh, sexual in the depictions of art for Red Sonja than what you're going to see in Conan. And I mean, some of the reasons I, I've, I've left certain, uh, Robert E. Howard groups on Facebook is they end up just getting flooded with ridiculous artwork. Now, 
the the art that I posted, Jenny Friesen's art, I think it's fantastic, and maybe it is because it is titillating or or, or whatever on, on some level. But for me, it's just I think she does some pretty um, some pretty cool compositions, whether they're sexual or not. Um, but I, I do digress. Uh, I would say that yeah, I mean, I agree that the Sonia stuff is more sexually charged, and if that's what the whole thing is going for then great but i can totally see why somebody is not going to be attracted to that if that's not what they have come to see if they want a story of you know blood and thunder perhaps that's a distraction um and there is a reply as well before you get into that can i uh, make a few comments? yeah oh yeah sure. so Sorry. um i want to say first of all really 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 well written it, it talks about it uh, it talks about the problem, really. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sure some don't see it as a problem, uh, but it's, to me, it's not even a question of armor. It's a question of inclusiveness. And I want, um, I just, I, I think what one of the big, in, uh, the big feelings I had in the previous episode was I want to have this genre grow. And I want that there to be representation uh, from all walks of life. Uh, and I think that that's the best way to make it grow. And, you know, clearly the the audience, at least from one person's point of view, is limited um, with something like this. They, there's an appreciation and they can still enjoy it. Um, but, you know, maybe not as much as, as they, they could if there was other characters to latch onto uh, or to find... Um, that is, are more identifiable. Uh, and maybe that starts with just um, the way it's depicted a little bit. Yeah. Or, or I mean, having alternate depictions to it as well. Sure. And I mean, I don't, in the, in the age of the, uh, of our internet discourse, right. That's the kind of uh, comment that I could see, you know, somebody maybe jumping on and saying, Oh, well, it's not for you anyways, or blah, 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 or what have you. But I think that the way that that is framed is you kind of have to, um, it, that, that it meets halfway, right? So nothing about it is saying uh, we can't have these, we can't appreciate these other tropes, but, I mean, we've got to open it up more and, and offer more for people who want an alternative to it, right? To have something um, that isn't predominantly about being titillating. Right, and, and again, I... Mean, I yeah. I just like to say titillating. I don't know. <laughs> no, no one's saying you can't have your chainmail bikini and your fur diaper. You can have right. it if that's your thing. I just want to make sure that there's other, and not make sure like I have any control in this, uh, that that there's other representation, and, and you know that everyone's kicking ass in the same amazing way. Yeah. Yeah, because you know there's a there's a there's a fantasy lover out there that's perusing Barnes and Noble and they see fantasy book after fantasy book after fantasy book. And they're like, I'm so tired of elves and saving the world. I just yeah. want something else. And their alternative, what they should find is sword and sorcery. And then they see a picture of red stone. And you're like, that's not what I want either. So they walk yeah. away. Right. Right. And we're here because we obviously love the genre and part of our, I guess our mission in the podcast is to spread spread the gospel, right? Because, I mean, it's, it's something that we're passionate about. And, you know, the more people that enjoy the, um, the genre, the more Amazon shows you get, the more movies you get, 
the more comics you get. And like that, how's that a bad thing? But if you're going right. to stay limited to one tiny little slice uh, and hang yourself on particular tropes, I, I don't see that there'll ever be shows and, and uh, you know, movies and new com. I mean, there'll always be new comics, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you want this thing to grow. You want more games. You want uh, modules being built for, uh, for board games, right? And that sort of thing. Yeah. Because it's all-inclusive. Uh, well, not all-inclusive. I should let me correct myself. There's just a large enough audience to propel that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love the blues, uh, but I also love rock and roll and metal. And uh, the, there's an evolution inherent in getting those things to happen. So, well, good analogy. Um, yeah. Great yeah, analogy. I, yeah. I want to see where this goes from from uh, its genesis, right? And I feel, yeah, I, I guess in, in a large way, I want I wanted to help get this podcast together because I do care so much about this. And I mean, I do have love for those old tropes, but I want to see this genre survive because it's special to me. Right. And it seems yeah. now, um, and, and I, I even like the genre grimdark. Um, but even that I, I want to have as many subgenres of fantasy as, as we can and have them all, you know, do well. Um, because there's a lot of there's still a lot of readers out there and a lot of passionate people um, in a lot of these literary groups. So I just I don't want it to stagnate. One interesting uh, thing. Um, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. One one interesting thing that I've I've seen too is uh, and this is this is stepping outside the discussion for a second. When I read uh, write ups, just like media write ups of things like games of Game of Thrones, they call it sword and sorcery, and. I'm starting mm -hmm. to wonder if that's not necessarily a bad thing that you're broadening sure. the def it's not our definition of sword and sorcery but you you're getting like exposure to the term well and I think sword and sorcery sounds cooler than fantasy I mean fantasy sounds uh to me I don't I don't I don't actually like to tell people fantasy is my favorite genre <laughs> <laughs> it seems so weak and like you know maybe I'm talking about the labyrinth Right or like the Dark Crystal, and it's I'm not I'm not actually throwing shade at those things. I, I love both of those pictures, but when I mean fantasy, I mean there's swords involved, there's some ruggedness. That's the way I see it. But when I say sword and sorcery, it's like oh, what's that? That's interesting. You yeah, know? It, yeah. It's, it uh, is quite a it's such a powerful term. Yeah, so I could see just some somewhat ignorant blogger writing about it and wanting to throw that word in there, not knowing really that there's other. Um, conventions attached to it um sure so, uh yeah i I'm, i wouldn't begrudge seeing that that's not sword and sorcery nah, stupid journalist you don't know you know it could it could yeah. it could pay back uh, you know it could, it could pay uh yeah. dividends for the for the genre sure i don't know um i i wanted to throw out um i i don't think any of us are saying that the image of shirtless diaper clad conan isn't um, a sexualized version of a man. Um, but I would be curious to see whether or not women find that vision of Conan as attractive. Clearly, um, I think we could probably all agree that we do find the artistic representations of Red Sonia attractive. It definitely plays to, to that part of us. Um, but the idea of the sexualized image... I'm still not convinced that it's playing towards 
what the opposite sex would appeal to. I have a I quick funny story. Um, so just this week, this is this is tangential but related. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, just this week at work, I, w I was um, driving with uh, a couple of coworkers, female coworkers. Uh, we were going to get a cup of coffee, and uh, there was a guy running with his shirt off. By the way, it is December um, here, and I live in the Northeast, <laughs> and it is cold. Cold. And her, uh, the comment she made was a very simple, "Oh," and the interpretation of that O from a man and the interpretation of that O from a, a woman were very different because I was like, that O meant that you were digging him. And she was like, no, that O means put a shirt on, please. And <laughs> I couldn't believe just how different the, the interpretation yeah. was. Yeah. And there was, there was nothing like nothing more than that, but we both had a good laugh of, of how the male brain and the female brain just receives those signals so differently and interprets yeah. it so differently. And, you know, I think men for better or worse are, are hardwired to think, Oh, women like that for whatever, <laughs> like whatever you do, there's going to be a positive response because I'm a man. Uh, and, well, and it's silly. Yeah. And I mean, so much of this too is it's anecdotal and it's going to be specific. And I sure, mean, sure. you know, considering uh, people's sexual orientation or, or gender affiliation or, or whatever. Right. I mean, it varies. So, I mean, in, in this regard, we're, we're mostly just hammering on stereotypes anyways. So, but Logan does like, when you bring up that point, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think necessarily that, um, I don't think it's a same, it's not an equal situation where Sonya is used to sell sex more so than Conan is. I'll go on the record and say that. Um, but I, I don't know. It's sure, but it, it goes back to your demographics too, right? I mean, right. The reason why she is is because she was used in a or in created like you know really really targeted for uh, in in the depiction for a comic book, uh, yeah. And that who's buying comic books in like that period you know i mean it's generally like yeah young boys true. to men you know um so you know that's that's sort of the way it is and that's what i think our narrative is is we want to change that a little bit and and you know there's so many more people that are interested in sword and sorcery i won't say fantasy anymore i'm kind of with you on that i like that <laughs> I, I like we're gonna stick to that and we're gonna call all fantasy sword and sorcery now we, no, we've no, made it ours. Know. We've made it ours. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, actually, a last thought on the the idea of uh, showing Conan's, uh, you know, his 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 steely frame. Um, I will say, for me, I mean, my brother and my dad always joke me like, "Oh, you love Conan, right?" Like, you know, make a crack at me that it's uh, that I'm that I'm attracted to him. But the truth is, it's that you know, ever since I was younger, the Hulk, He Man. Conan, for me, they have been a particular archetype of like male fitness and strength. And I mean, the reason I still go to the gym today and do any kind of weight training is because I have always enjoyed Conan stories. Um, and yeah, I'm not I wish that was a motivator for me. I, I agree. I wish that was a motivator, man. I, well, there's a subgenre of fans who like, you know, from the Arnold films. Um, and from whatever else, like they lift because of Conan too. I've had this conversation. I ran into a guy at the gym. He's got Death Dealer tattoos, and he's listening to the Conan soundtrack when he's lifting. And I'm like, 
throwing out. That's awesome. The gym the gym. I was like, man, I'm so glad we had this conversation. I've had many important <laughs> conversations in my life, but this one is actually, uh, it's up there. I wish that he had <laughs> Death Stalker tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, 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 that's a little, uh, yeah. No one has those. No one so, has those. I feel like before we get off of it, um, I should read the reply to Angeline's comment yeah. and then um, we can put this topic to bed for a while. I'm sure our listeners are ready to hear about something else sure. um, other than this. So Remco says, Angeline and I were discussing this. I'd have to agree with her. I've read the original Marvel run on Red Sonja and found it enjoyable enough. Tried some of the Dynamite run too and have come to the conclusion that it's not written for me even the ones written by Gail Simone, etc. There seems to be a bit of a difference between what I see and what I think I should see. And yes, strong female characters can wear whatever they want, etc. Maybe it's that despite Dynamite's attempts at, but we've got Gail Simone, she writes strong female characters. This message is undone by the cheesecake covers and some of the rest of Dynamite's output. Princess of Mars comes to mind as being particularly semi-pornographic. I understand that they tried to restyle Red Sonja, give her a bit more clothes, but that the fans didn't want it. I guess that's the market speaking then. Red Sonja was originally written by Roy Thomas. I wonder whether Arak's warrior maiden Valda was his own commentary on the chainmail bikini. And then he uh, he posts a picture of uh, of this this character who's looking a lot more armored. Interesting. Yeah, it's like a chainmail tunic. Yeah. With some fur and a shield and a sword, if I recall. Well, that's right. And, and the original depiction of Sonya was wearing a chainmail. She was wearing a chainmail tunic in her first appearance and in she Conan's. She didn't guns. pop off the page with the uh, with the chainmail bikini, for the record. Yeah. Again, another yeah. really well written and well thought out uh, comment. Yeah. Yes. And and I don't find that either of those comments. None of them are coming from the the standpoint of. Um, Yes, these things have to die. They're useless and they're destructive. They're just kind of speaking, uh, you know, after mulling it over of, of their true feelings about it. And uh, and I think that's the best that's the best kind of discourse we're going to have on something like this on a topic that is so important in our lives. Yeah. Bird diapers, chainmail bikinis. Like, I'm just I'm so glad we've uh, yeah. so glad we've covered it. Yeah. <laughs> Check that one off the bucket list. Mm-hmm. So that will be, hopefully, uh, for a while, the last time we, we hit upon the bikini and diaper conversation. Uh, yep. We're going to move on to bigger and better things. Uh, currently, we do not have a topic for episode four, uh, yeah, but I no, promise you we the... will have one. We're, we're going to figure out a topic for you, uh, and that one, uh, episode four, will be our next one. Again, that'll be a uh, longer episode. That'll probably be like the, your, around your full hour, hour and ten minutes. Uh, that you are used to and love having. Um, in the meantime, you can always uh, reach out at us. You can tell us how wrong we are or how right we are, which is usually more what we hear about because, of course, we are very right all the time at <laughs> roguesinthehousecast at gmail.com or uh, hit us up on the Facebook page. Um, that is where we're, we're on there all the time. I think one of us, pretty much one of us makes a post daily. Um, usually there's a picture or um, some sort of funny comment. Uh, the one that I want to talk about um, maybe in the future is the one Logan that you posted the other day of places near you 
or not necessarily near you, but places that inspire you in the genre. Um, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Beautiful vistas. Um, you know, some so many people seem to live around mountains or other sort of uh, majestic and somewhat mystical areas. Uh, yeah. And I would I would love to hear. I mean, we got some really cool places in our area. Um, some nice woods. Uh, and things that definitely when you take a walk in there, you, you start to get transported back. And I will have some yeah. good stories for that, too. Um, any teasers there for you guys? Not saying that we have to do it on the next episode, but uh, just if you guys have any quick thoughts on it. I would just say I think perhaps what we should do when we do that is um, we'll, we'll post up. We'll do a post through the, uh, through the page, um, maybe of a picture of our own or, you know, we'll, we'll have some kind of prompt. And then it'd be awesome if... Uh, our fans and listeners could post comments in there to just show us a picture uh, of those areas. So if yeah. you've got some on your phone or something, keep them there and uh, post them when, when we, when we prompt. Let me uh, bust into a quick little side note on this. So sure. I live in, in the new England area. And for those of you who don't know, the new England area is really, really steeped in a lot of uh, lore um, yeah. You know, we have, uh, you know, the New England, uh, the, the Salem witches and all that stuff. So, you're in Lovecraft country. Yeah, yeah. Lovecraft. Oh, we're in Lovecraft country. We got a, a lot of really cool things here. I encourage you all to Google or Wikipedia the Hockamock Swamp. Uh, and I live not very far. In fact, uh, one of my best friends, his backyard is basically the Hockamock Swamp. Uh, and it is, um, it played a role in, uh, the, the King Philip's war. So you could do a little historical reading in there and it is known as sort of a hotbed, uh, of paranormal activity, which is, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We have this, this thing, uh, it's called the Bridgewater triangle, um, which is, you know, a lot of paranormal, um, UFO poltergeist, that sort of thing. Not that I am a big, uh, a big knower on any of these things, but I find them, of course I find them interesting. Uh, and when we're talking about places that engage you in the genre, you know, I think I live right in it, man. Hmm. If we ever do uh, an episode, that's not really sword and sorcery. Now you got me thinking about manly Wade Wellman and the silver John stories. Another one of my favorite characters. Um, if you haven't read, uh, the silver John stories, you need to find them because they're just they're pure gold. Nice. I, I've not, but that author's name um, certainly rings out uh, in these sword and sorcery circles. Yeah, with, with uh, yeah particular authors for sure. So to take us out, uh, once again, you can always reach us out if you have a special place that uh, inspires the genre to you, or if you have any other comments on the chainmail bikini, or no, if you no even more. have don't a, send them to us. Don't don't, don't say anything too. about that, I guess. But if you have anything <laughs> else that you'd like to talk about, any new topics for us, because we're always listening to topics too, uh, you can reach us at roguesinthehousecast at gmail.com, uh, the Facebook page. Again, you know where to find us at this point on, the, on iTunes. Uh, if you want to leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. Uh, last comments? Uh, yeah, send us your, uh, send us your uh, topics you want us uh, to talk about. I know... We've had multiple requests to talk about 2D20. I'm not in a comfortable place to say I'm an expert on any of that other than the fantastic art, but that is something on the schedule for 2019. 
Yeah, and also um, I'll probably reach out to a few contacts there and see if we can't uh, maybe have some maybe have some guests in the future. Yeah, excellent. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, everyone. Well, this wraps up episode. Um, what episode are we in? It's episode three point five. Three point five. It's very easy to get lost in in the the three and a half episodes we've done. So uh, many. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And as we always say, may your swords always remain sharp.